In today's show, we're here live on YouTube answering your questions about fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. And thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. A reminder, trade deadline show, Thursday, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. It's on YouTube. You can see the landing page there already. Go and give it a thumbs up. Get those uh, get those pre-likes up to, let's say 200. Let's hit those at 200. Get that out to more people. Put it in your calendars. We're going live for two hours talking about the NBA trade deadline. But here, we're live for 30 minutes talking about fantasy basketball questions. And I am joined once again by the venerable Roto World's own Zach Henshu. Zach, the monster. Welcome, mate. How are you, sir? I am uh, I'm good early here on a Friday morning as we get ready to talk fantasy basketball from the fans slash players slash users in the chat at the moment. So let's go straight into them. Um, Keith. Keith is a legend around these parts. Oh, he's always in all the YouTube comments. Keith, we love you. So I'm going to go straight to you. Is Brandon Clark a must-add? Zachary, what do you think? Yeah, I do think he's a must-add. Uh, I know we had the Xavier Tillman start the other night, which was everybody was kind of hitting the panic button on that one. Uh, but Clark started against Golden State, which may be better matchup just because of his offense and how he played in the playoffs last year. Uh, but he has the better upside, uh, better field goal percentage, uh, higher upside as far as rebounds and points. Um, and Tillman is might get you a little bit more with the steals, uh, but the field goal percentage is typically pretty bad for a big man. So I lean Clark for sure. I think Tillman's a pretty interesting player. What I do think happened is that Jenkins said this pregame, and I talked about this on the recap yesterday. He said, hey, we're going to change our rotations up and our starting lineup up uh, quite a bit, right? And I think that Clark's starting is because of the Warriors matchup. Like Draymond Green was their center. Tillman's not particularly big, but he's stronger and wider than what Clark is. So I think we will get... Literally, we saw one game ago that Tillman was in there and matched up against Sabonis where Clark played 13 minutes. But the thing to me is that if they are going to go back and forth and they are going to change the rotation on a game-by-game basis, I want the player who's a better permanent producer, and that's Clark. Because there'll be some nights that Clark plays 20 and Tillman plays 28, and there'll be others that Clark plays 27 and Tillman plays 19. And there'll be nights like yesterday where Clark plays 30, whatever he is, and, and Tillman barely plays. But if we're going to average all that out, the guy who's the better permanent producer, which is pretty clearly Clark, is the guy that we want. And that's sort of what I said before that game yesterday. I said, look, Clark, if he gets 25, he's a clear ad. He's got the clear permanent upside there. So I'd rather take that chance on someone like that. Whereas Tillman is okay. And if Clark is already gone, go and grab Tillman. But, you know, Clark is the option. So after what we saw yesterday, Keith, yes. But dial it back because I don't think he's going to start every game, Zach. No, I don't think he'll start every game, but I, I do think he's worth an ad. This brings us to another ad situation from Buzzer Beater. He says, is Melton a must-roster player given he played 30 and 34 minutes the last two games on a fully healthy Sixers team? 
Um, yeah, I, I do think he's a must roster. Um, obviously, he's his season has been kind of up and down. We've seen kind of some ebbs and flows based on Harden and, and Maxi's availability. Um, but I think the one thing that kind of gives Melton some staying power is uh, his defense. I mean, so obviously we look at everything he can do on the court uh, from a fantasy perspective, but just from a real life basketball perspective, uh, I do think his defense kind of gives him a leg up. Um, on some of the other guys in Philly's rotation to uh, consistently see, uh, you know, at least solid rotational minutes, even when he's not starting. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely worth holding on to. I think, I think the clear thing at the moment with the Sixers is that they have five clear best players, and he is the fifth one of them. Right? You might even yeah. say the fourth on certain days. It's not PJ Tucker, even though Tucker starts, he's playing twenty-one minutes, seventeen minutes, twenty-two minutes. Like they are want, they want to get their best five players on the court the majority of the time. And that's what we're seeing with Melton at the moment. Now, you do have to discount a little bit of what he did yesterday because he shot 70%, right? If we're going to say, hey, throw out the games where he shoots 20% and ignore those, then we're also going to ignore the shooting on the nights where he goes 70%. But it's the minutes, it's the role, it's the fact that he is clearly at least that fifth best player over PJ Tucker that gives me a level of confidence. And he, Doc Rivers said he was going to have three starting lineups. Since he said that, he's had one starting lineup. So we'll see if he ever changes anything. But yeah, like long story short, yes, we want to have Melton on our rosters at this point. Okay. What do we go? Oh, here's an interesting question, which I think is a pretty easy answer, but maybe you have a different answer from Eve. He says, he's looking forward to the trade deadline show. So am I, mate. That'll be good. I was wondering who would you go for if you had one spot available in a 12-team league, Dan Gafford or Isaiah Jackson. I am currently in first place, which adds an extra wrinkle to it. Yeah, for me, it's Gafford. Um, I I really like what Gafford's doing. I know uh, he's maybe not everybody's cup of tea. The rebounds aren't quite where you want him to be, but uh, for a guy that can get uh, you know a couple of blocks every single night, uh, pretty consistently, and with Chris Dapps Porzingis injured, um, he's the guy for me because he's still going to have value when KP returns. Uh, whereas you're banking on a Jackson having value based on a Miles Turner you know trade that may or may not happen. That's that's the way to look at it. And the thing with this question is, Zach, is that when we look at it, everything about it, it's very, very clearly Gafford. And then you get to the last sentence is, I'm currently in first place. And you go, oh, okay. Because to me, Isaiah Jackson has a significantly higher ceiling than Daniel Gafford. Do, do you agree with that yeah. statement? I do. So if Jackson, if Turner was to be traded and Jackson was to start, two, two ifs, and Jackson plays 28 minutes, three ifs, then he's potentially a top 35 player. Whereas Gafford probably never gets that that way. Like he's not going to start over Porzingis. He'll start next to Porzingis, but he won't start over him. But you know, in 90% of outcomes, Gafford is going to be the best best option here. Like it's if you're really comfortable, he's going to get at li- minimum 20 minutes a night, every single night, rest of season. Like you'll get that probably 24 a night with Rui gone, maybe 26 a night, like without any doubt whatsoever. So for nearly every team, Gafford is the best answer. But you're sitting in first place. That's where the wrinkle comes in. Like, if you hit on Jackson, if Turner is traded, and if Jackson starts, and if he plays 28 minutes, well, that's it. Like, league's over, right? You've got a top 30 player that you got for nothing. It might not pan out. And that's, I guess, where your decision is. I tend to go with the safer option most of the time, Eves. So I'd, I would take Dan Gafford. But the only reason that I would ever consider going a different direction is in your actual situation where you're sitting in first place, where you don't actually need the production now. You're just looking to actually, like, stomp on people's throats, which, you know, is a great thing to do. Hamburglar, is Trey Murphy's time coming to an end? What do you think, Zach? Uh, maybe. Uh, it's hard to tell with this. Uh, I mean, I hate it giving is. a non, 
non-answer like that, but it, it's hard. It's hard to tell. I mean, it, he was really good at the beginning of the season when everybody was healthy. Um, you know, obviously, Bi coming back kind of uh, lessens his appeal a little bit. Um, but man, I'm going to have to say undecided on this one. I was a little bit worried yesterday with the fact that he played 20 minutes when Najee Marshall played 27. Now, will that be a constant theme between the two? I don't think so. But much like when talking about the Clark and Tillman situation, it puts that element of doubt in there where you go, well, in the past, it just would have been Murphy played 30 and Najee would play 18. And someone would get hurt and Najee would push up to 30 and then Najee would push back to 18. And now we see it where they go, oh, now there's going to be some sort of minute split here. So if I don't feel confident that Murphy's going to get 30 a night, until Zion returns. We knew when Zion returned that Murphy wouldn't have that value. But if I don't even have confidence that him and he's going to have the clear superiority over Najee Marshall, and he was a fringe player to begin with, like as a points and threes guy who was a little bit iffy, then like it's really hard to look at that and go, you must hold him under all circumstances when you can probably, in a in a 10 or a 12-team league, mate, probably not 14, but in a 12-team league, you can get more value by cycling through guys with maybe stashing for a trade deadline situation, with just seeing who the hot player is at the moment, who's got the favorable three games in four nights schedule, whereas if Murphy was going to play 31 a night, you go, okay, well, I can get 15 points and two and a half threes out of him every night, but if it goes from 30 to 20 to 30 to 20, then that reliability is gone and that value is not there. So it's always going to come down to, well, who are you actually adding? Like what's your what roster spot availability? Who do you have that's there? Is streaming more valuable to you? And if Murphy's your worst player, then it's always, yes, like well, there's no point holding on. If he's your worst player, then you get rid of him, like without any real hesitation at all. And that is a way that I think you should be approaching uh, a lot of this different stuff. We'll get back to questions in a second before I do that though. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business or hiring manager, you know success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job posts, from your company, and from their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. You can identify the most qualified candidates candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, let's go back to um, some questions here. Natty says, is Jokic's injury a problem? Nikola Jokic now, Zach, has missed three of the last four games with the hamstring injury. Are you worried at all? I don't think so. Um, I, I think yesterday was, if I remember right, it was the second night it of was. a back-to-back. Yep. So, uh, I, I, yeah. so I, I wouldn't really be worried about that. We don't typically see him miss a lot of time with injuries. Um, and at this point in the season, they're in first place. There's there's really no reason to. And they were pretty competitive in that game with Milwaukee. So there's even with him out. So there's really no reason to, um, you know, play him on on back to backs if they don't need if he's dealing with some sort of injury. Um, I would be concerned if he misses their next game. Yeah, but even then, I wouldn't be too concerned because Zach, what we've seen and Natty as well this season is. And I know it's a problem that's been going on for years and years and years in the NBA that the NBA pushes players from soft tissue injuries back too soon. Rudy Gobert's groin, Donovan Mitchell's groin, Bradley Beal's hamstring, Bradley Beal's hamstring again. Happens all the time. 
And when a team is going this well and Jokic has got a legitimate hamstring problem, there's no reason to, to play him if if it's not right. So is it a concern that, hey, when we hit to the All-Star break, Jokic is still going to be hurt? I'm not, I'm not concerned with that in the slightest. Am I worried that he might miss a game or two here over the next week? Or would I be worried even if they said he's out for the next week? Not in the slightest. And that's actually the best course of action so that he actually gets it healthy and doesn't have re-injury risk. So I'd actually be more, I'd feel more confident if he actually sat the next game and you know, was taking it a little bit easy here rather than suffer a more significant injury that, puts him out for four weeks like Devin Booker's current injury has got him out for after he pushed it coming back too soon. So is it a problem? It's an injury, but I'm not all that worried long-term. Jason says, is Obi going to be traded? I'm assuming you're not talking about my dog because he's definitely not getting traded. No trade clause. He's not going anywhere. You're talking about Obi top and we have no idea. And Jason, this brings us to a further point. That's why I wanted to put this question because no one knows. And even if Obi does get traded, who is trading for him? Man, here is our power forward of the future. He's not that good. So I don't think we need to worry too much about that. But Zach, that brings us to the larger question. I talked with Kingy about this last week, about the trade deadline. We're two weeks away from it. It's the discussion everyone's having at the moment. And people always ask, who's the one player you think is definitely getting traded? My answer is always nobody. So bringing that back around to, to somewhat tangentially talk about Obi Toppin, are there any players that you are stashing two weeks out from the trade deadline? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think I mentioned this yesterday um, when I did the mailbag show for NBC that I think the one maybe all-star caliber type player, and I know it's rare that it happens, but uh, the biggest name that might be potentially moved is somebody like a Kyle Kuzma. And obviously we've had a lot of Wizards talk. We were just talking about Gafford. Um, I, I really think Denny is is a guy that you need to to roster everywhere. I think he was a pick, an obvious pickup after uh, you know Rui got traded. Uh, but if Kuzma gets moved, I mean he could just go off, right? So uh, that would be my answer right here. But there's no obvious stash candidates in my opinion. I that's an interesting one with Avdia because he was pretty good that first game. He was a little bit less good in yesterday's game, but. You're right, if Kuzma was traded and no one else was brought back in that position, then Avdia would start, he would play 30 minutes. He's always going to be a low usage play, which is always a concern, but rebounds and steals and he can bring some assists does bring that value. But again, the general rule is like, it's very hard to predict a trade. And when you do tend to predict trades, you go wrong. I've got a list of three to four players that, that I consider options. Again, that I wouldn't have done it any earlier than the last few days. And that is the, the backup centers. It's Mark Williams, Isaiah Jackson, Zach Collins. Mm-hmm. Because I think that if those players, Plumlee, Turner and Pertle are traded, they won't be getting a center back in a deal, meaning that you don't have that risk of holding onto the backup just so someone comes in over the top of them. So they would get good production. Um, it makes sense financially, contract-wise, um, team direction-wise for those teams to potentially trade those players in front of them, which is another factor in there. Um, but that's really it. And again, I'm still looking at those as like 5%, 10% lottery tickets. The other one I look at is KJ Martin in Houston because he seems to be the guy that if Eric Gordon is traded, would start. But even now, he's playing so well that a lot of the Rockets people are saying, well, we, he just needs to keep starting anyway. And I think he will keep starting over Eric Gordon, even when Porter returns. Now, I have some doubts about that. So that pushes him away from being a trade deadline stash, just like a guy we roll with now and then see what happens down the track. But like most of these, so people have like, anyone that I say the stash, like he's Mason Plumbing getting traded, like he's not. But he, he might. It makes sense to. But the Horn, nothing the Hornets do makes sense. So if there are... 5% chance, like if there's a 5% chance of someone getting traded and the guy coming in behind him might be the 110th best player, then you've got no business stashing that guy. If, like an Isaiah Jackson or a Mark Williams, maybe less so as Zach Collins, that if they were to play 27 minutes a night, they'd crack the top 50, that that's where that 5% chance, if you're at the top of the standings, 
can make sense. Because there's not one player in the NBA, Zach, that we go, there's a 70% likelihood of this guy getting traded. There's not one person you can say that about because it just that's not how trades work. It's just not how the NBA works. Um, all right. Nick Miller, I talked about this the other day, Nicky, but let's ask Zach's opinion. Is Isaac Okoro worth adding? Nine cat, 12 team with three games remaining this week, available roster spot, only two remaining ads this week. I've I've given my answer on this already, but I want to hear Zach's opinion and see whether we argue on it. I will go ahead. Before we even start with this, I know Nick. Uh, we went to high school together in college. Big so Nick. Nick th- yeah, thanks for tuning in, Nick. Nick is a father for the first time. He just had his... Uh, just had his daughter born the other day. So congratulations, Nick, here on the live stream. Um, so, yeah, is Isaac Okoro worth adding in a 9-cat, 12-team league? I assume this is the league we're in together, Nick. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say um, I would say at this point, I'm not adding Isaac Okoro. And this, is, this, has no, uh, this has no bearing on the fact that I know Nick or the fact that we played together uh, at all. Um, but, but seriously, I, I'm not adding Isaac Okoro. Um, he's not a guy that I'm interested in. Again, I think he's uh, a better uh, – I think he's a better guy in real life than in fantasy. Um, obviously, he's had some good run recently. I think he's been top 100 over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I think when this roster is fully healthy, I just – I don't see the appeal uh, for him. I, I Obviously, if you need steals, go ahead and grab him. Um and maybe some field goal percentage. I just don't see the overall long-term appeal for him. Uh, is that how you feel about it as well? It's not actually, Zach. And this is ah. this is this is why you're wrong. This is why you're wrong. First take style, like <laughs> you're preposterous. This is what my thought is. And I talked about this the other day, Nick. So look, listen to what I've got to say. Look, it's you've got two ads left for the week. The Cavs play Thursday, low volume day. Friday, low volume day. Sunday, low volume day. Right? They've got three games on the low volume days remaining this week. So look at it this way. You've got the two ads left, so you're not going to be able to stream guy, multiple guys in. If you add an Isaac Okoro, let's say he plays conserv- conservatively 25 minutes a night, right? So it's 75 minutes of action for one waiver ad. Can't find one. You can't do one game for that. Say he averages eight points a game. That's 24 points with one waiver ad. Let's say he hits two threes a game. That's six threes. Let's say he has 1.5 steals. That's four to five steals. Let's say he has three assists. That's nine assists. So 24 points, six threes, 15 rebounds, seven assists, five steals with one waiver ad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like, is he good on a per-game basis? No, he's not. Like, he's not even remotely close to a long-term 12-team league ad. Not not even close, and you're right on that, Zach. But when you're talking one waiver ad, I get three games for it, and I can put up 24, 24, 15, six, and five steals with six triples. Like if you if I told you that I can pick up a guy off the waiver wire for one game of that, you'd like trip all over your feet trying to pick that guy up. But the fact that it happens over three games, I think we've got to change our mindset on it. Whereas if it's one waiver ad and it's three games, it's one game. It's the same thing. You can't get any more than that. You can't find a player to average 24, 15, and 6 in one game. You can't find them. Whereas Okoro does it slowly. He kills you by a thousand cuts getting at that. But that three-game schedule on the low-volume days is really the only time I'll ever suggest that, yeah, I reckon you look at Isaac Okoro over these last four days of the week. It's the only time I'll ever suggest him as a 12-team league pickup because the schedule works so perfectly. 
in his favor. And with the chance that Mitchell sits a game or Kevin Love, I think, appeared on the injury report as well, that he can really get, like, even if he has a game where he has 15 points, well, then you've just, he's just put up gigantic numbers over the final four days of the week. And I'll be very interested to see, Zach, if I look at, like, fantasy rankings from Thursday to Sunday this week for total value, where Okoro ranks in that. I'll be pretty interested to see where he ends up. What do you think of that line of thinking? I like that line of thinking, man. You uh, you have converted me to Isaac Okoro for a yeah for a late week ad. You keep me straight on here, man. This is not um, it's not even about Isaac Okoro. It's about trying to find that little schedule bump. So when you're at the end of the week and if someone's got these three games and you've got one waiver ad, it's treat treat the three games as one game, and that yeah. then you you look at it and you go fuck like this guy's useless. But if he puts three games into one, it's actually pretty it's pretty important. And that's exactly where I sit with Okoro. And as soon as Sunday hits, like piss him all the way off. Like you don't need him. See you later, Isaac. I'll see you next year when the same thing, same schedule quirk happens. That's all we really need to uh, pay attention to there. But what we do need to pay attention to now is that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And that is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, they're even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. Guaranteed when your first place or when you first place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at fanjul.com slash locked on. Fanjul has all of your favorite bets from money line to spread betting to player props, futures. It's all there. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Now, Zach, the NFL championship games of this week. Are there any team that you're leaning towards because they have an abundance of um, West Virginia Mountaineers playing? Uh, you won't find too many West Virginia Mountaineers playing now that the Seahawks are out of action. So, uh, dude, I, I'm leaning Kansas City money line this weekend. There is no way after all of this Burrowhead talk and three straight games against Cincinnati, th- there's no way Patrick Mahomes doesn't come out and even with the ankle injury, doesn't come out and just absolutely obliterate him this weekend. Uh, Kansas City is winning this week. I've done this Fangel ad all week about it and – when I started off, the Chiefs were one and a half point favorites. Then for two days in the middle of the week, the Bengals were one and a half point favorites. And now look today, and the Chiefs are one point favorites again. So yeah, good luck. I, the the, uh, the favoritism, the Eagles are two and a half point favorites every single day. The Chiefs and the Bengals are going back and forward every single day on this. So hey, just find out, see if the Chiefs drop to underdogs tomorrow, then put some money on them. It's all, you can do it on an app that's safe and secure and super easy to use. So don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get a $150 in free bets, win or lose at fanjul.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanjul, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let us go back and look at some questions. Um, okay. This is a question that I'm going to sort of half answer from Jack Hemsworth. He says, Polo Bunkero for Rob Williams in a 12-team nine-cat league. Now, ignoring that question, sorry, Jack, I use this as a springboard to talk about something else because that's the sort of question where, again, I'll use this. Like, that's just a completely different player. One guy's a 20-point-per-game scorer. One guy's a 10-point-per-game scorer. One guy will get two blocks. One guy might get one block. Like, that really just 100% depends on your team, right? That is, And that is what you have to look at in every single trade that you do. For 50% of people, Bunkero makes sense. And for 50% of people, Rob Williams makes sense. And I can't tell you which one makes sense for you. But... Zach, have you had the feedback from people who are just significant, so disappointed with what Rob Williams is doing? Like, how long can I persist with him? I'm going to drop Rob Williams. Have you had that discussion? And what have you thought about it? I'll be honest with you, man. I have not had that discussion. Are mm. people oh, yeah. are people really getting the pitchforks and the torches out over Rob Williams? Is oh, that a thing? Th- they are. 
They are in a. Oh. I've had so, oh man, I can't do it anymore. How long? How long until he hits his form? Like even last game, I had this discussion with someone. He averaged. Uh, he no average. He scored eleven points, eight rebounds, had two blocks, and shot eighty three percent. And someone after that game said, "Man, how long can we wait for Rob Williams to get to get his numbers?" Like he was. I was told he was a fantasy beast. And I go, last year he averaged ten and ten with two blocks, and that was yeah. good. That was yeah, that was useful. But he had eleven and eight with two blocks. It's the same shit. Like it's actually not that different. It's one more point and two fewer rebounds with a higher field goal percentage. Like it's the same stuff for people here. Well, he was 20th or he was 30th. Or he must average 18 and 10 with four blocks and be unbelievable. Like, no, like the way that the rankings work favors certain things and you've got to understand how those numbers get there. So has he been a little bit off? Yeah. Like, but is he that far off? No. So I don't know why we're panicking so much about what's happening with him. And if anyone drops him, like you immediately add him. But back to that original question, Jack, we've got no idea. Because they are just wildly different players who probably qualify for the same um, position eligibility um, in fantasy, but it's just wildly different stuff. That's how I view it. Um, all right, all right. Here's one for you, Zach. Cheese fella, is Jabari Smith a drop? Uh, no, I don't think Jabari Smith is a drop. Um, just because, I mean, who are you picking up off the waiver wire that is going to have that same level of upside? Isaac Okora. Uh, oh you gotta go there man um no jabari smith is one not you know i haven't heard the rob williams hate but jabari smith is one that i have heard recently uh, you know hey jabari smith got dropped should i pick him up hey should i drop jabari no you shouldn't and if he's on your waiver wire pick him up i i just don't see i obviously there's some warts to his game the field goal percentage the you know kind of the up and down uh with the rebounds with the scoring uh, but when you have a guy that, I mean, we saw it early in the season, that can block shots, that can hit threes, that can get you 10 rebounds, I, I just don't see where you're going to find a guy with that level of upside anywhere else. He, To me, he's not a drop. I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I agree that finding that play with upside off the waiver wire is really hard to do. But we're also three-fifths of the way into the season, and I he has what has he improved at? Like he's doing the same stuff. He plays twenty nine to thirty nine or twenty nine to thirty minutes. He shoots thirty eight percent from the field. He never gets an assist. His blocks and steals are okay. Like the usage is low. Like what is he? What has actually improved for him this season? Like there will be some. There will be a game where he goes eighteen and ten with three blocks and go. Oh, here we go. Then it's six and seven with a block or six and seven with one steal. And like part of it is his game as a low usage player doesn't really, hasn't had the ability to scale up. The shooting has been a problem all season. And while you're right, like who has the higher upside, but let's say, for example, circling back because I'm a professional broadcaster to an earlier question, if if Daniel Gafford was on the waiver wire, like what do you do there? Uh, I, I mean, point taken. I, I would probably be picking up Danny G. Gafford has produced at a higher level, but he's available yeah. on way more waiver wires than what Jabari is. And I'm not saying that you have to drop Jabari Smith, but... Earlier in the season, like three weeks in, four weeks in, I always said, no, don't do it. Like, let's hold. Let's see what happens. Let's see how he grows. The potential's there. We're seeing the flashes. But we're 50 games in. Like, I don't actually care anymore. Like, is the flash, is the change going to be large enough to make me regret it at this point? I don't think it is. Now, I still have him on plenty of rosters. I have dropped him, I think, on one. But I still have him because... In a lot of those cases, the quality on the waiver wire is Troy Brown Jr. And I'm like, Fuck, I don't want that. Like, that's useless, right? But if a Daniel Gafford's there, if a Denny Avdi is there, if a Brandon Clark is there, why not? Like, they might only give you two weeks worth of value or three weeks worth of value. 
but Smith's given me zero weeks worth of value so far. And if I can get guaranteed two weeks versus potential of maybe something later on that hasn't shown any real indication of improving, I might have to consider that. So earlier in the season, I wouldn't have even considered dropping him. I said, just wait. We're way too far in for me to not at least have that as a discussion um, that he can be dropped. Like, I, th- I think he's got to at least be in that zone of like, yeah, like what I think... I think he's got to be in that discussion now. All right. Um, what do you think about this question? Iwan Ive. I pronounced that incorrectly, I'm sure. Alperen Sengun. Can he be top 15 second half? Let's say from here on out. Can he be top 15 rest of season? It's a, that's a lofty aim. Ooh, that is a lofty aim. Uh, I think that depends on, uh, I guess that depends on, you know, how heavy the Rockets want to tank. Maybe if we get into that, you know, silly season part of, of the year. Um Ooh, top 15. I think he can be easily top 30. I think that's yeah, well easy, within easy. his yeah his range of possibilities. But can he be top 15? Uh, I think he's second round value the last you know week or so. Sounds about right. Um, yep. So yeah, let's let's go ahead. Yeah, let's go ahead and stick our neck out for Sangoon. Yes, absolutely. It's spicy. Uh, can, yeah, I mean the thing is, I think I mentioned this on yesterday's show is. He is. I, I saw this meme where he was compared to Baby Sabonis, and uh, you know, and Sabonis is kind of the uh, evolution right below Jokic, oh, yeah. and it's kind of true. If you get this big man that can pass at an elite level and still get you some defensive stats, I mean, that's a fantasy cheat code right there. You, if you can get twenty ten and six or seven assists, I, I mean, what do you do with that guy? Yeah, he could be top fifteen, sure. There's a couple of things to add to that. Um... Sabonis wasn't doing this in year two. He was nowhere near this player in year two. So Shingun's significantly ahead of where Sabonis was. The difference between those two as well is Shingun gets defensive stats and gets quite a lot of them. I think he's got the highest combined steals and blocks or second highest combined steals and blocks over the last two weeks of action in the entire NBA. He's averaging like, or maybe that's not true. Anyway, he's, he's got a lot. I think he's averaging 3.4 steals and blocks combined over the last two weeks. Part of my issue of pulling back a little bit on that is that while... It was embarrassing how few opportunities they gave him earlier in the season. He was averaging like 3.3 assists. He's averaging like 7.8 at the moment. And when Kevin Porter returns, that is going to drop. Like he's not going to be the point guard basically the entire game. Porter will have that. Now, I don't think it'll drop back to the 3.3 assists, but sort of split in the middle somewhere, five and a half, 5.5 assists, maybe six assists for Shangun is a reasonable thing versus eight assists a game where he's just dropping triple doubles whenever he feels like it. That, that, I think, the impact of Kevin Porter, I think, is that taking those eight to nine assists down to five to six assists a game, still really valuable, which pushes him more to the third, fourth round versus second round type of discussion. But he's really good. They should run it through him. I don't know that they will, but they should. And I think that's my that's my worry about that overall lofty goal of a, a top 15 player. Zach, that is going to do it for us. We're 30 minutes in. I've taken too much of your time already. So tell people about what you've got going. You have your live mailbag show that you do at NBC Sports Edge. Tell, tell us what you've got planned over there and where people can follow your stuff. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Zach the Monster. Uh, you can check out uh, my work over at NBC Sports Edge. Uh, we're continuing to put out player news and, and pick up articles every day. Uh, I do my daily or my weekly mailbag show every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're having Dan Titus on next week. We're having Adam King on for the trade deadline show in two weeks. And then Josh, I believe you're coming on in three weeks. So yep. yeah, we have a all-star lineup coming up 
I'm glad to bring up the rear of those two legends, Dan and, and Adam, and uh, have them have them show me up for those two weeks. That's going to be exciting. Zach, go follow him over there. Go check out the NBC Sports Edge show that Zach does host the mailbag once a week. Zach, thank you once more for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Always fun. Guys, don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, please thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.